the promised land. Everybody else's bodies fell in the wilderness, it says. And so because of what the 10 spies said, the, all the people, it's like panic mode. Oh, we're going to die. We're, God has let us out here. To, you know, they're, they're freaking out. And because of their fear, that's why they, it took them 40 years to make an 11-day journey. Not because of their incessant complaining. That was bad, too. <laughs> but there was a macro thing going on. They were full of fear. And that is exactly what we're talking about here tonight. Um, and, we, and we'll get to this here in just a second, but um, the only way to get from fear to joy is Jesus, and that's what we want you to get from tonight. So Peyton's going to share uh, some soccer fear that he has. So I played soccer in high school, and I was a goalkeeper, which is probably one of the most fearful positions you can play in soccer. <laughs> You make one mistake, and it's a goal against your team, and everyone blames you. So uh, one of the biggest fears I had was actually my coach when I played. It felt like any time you made a mistake, he would just come rip into you. And he used to like to whistle a lot whenever he tried to tell you what to do. So there was one game where I had the ball at the end of the half in my hands, and I was trying to decide who I was going to give it to, and I hear my coach whistle at me. I look over at him, and I don't know what he wants me to do, but there's a guy right in front of him, so I threw the ball to him, and the half ended. Coach came out, yelled at me, just ripping into me, cursing at me, spitting in my face. The whole stadium could have heard every word he said. And ever since then, I had fear of that coach because one mistake, and he's going to come yell at me. And... That's a big problem if you take that and apply it to God because God's not going to come down and yell at you and get on you for one mistake. We can't have fear of God like I had fear of my coach. We have to be in a relationship with him through Jesus to not fear him. I'm not Peyton. I'm Haley. Um, I'm sure everyone in this room has gone through a breakup in some way. Um, so, I mean, whether it be with a person or like a life thing that you were planning on doing or something like that. Um, personally, I'm going to talk about the fact that I've been through three breakups in one year, um, two of them with people and one of them with a major life event. Um, the two people that, you know, the relationship didn't work out, you know, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, things just didn't work out and I had to move forward from that. But Breaking up with a life event is another very difficult thing. Um, so up until my junior year of college, I'm now a senior with no idea what I want to do with my life, which I'll get to that. Um, up until my junior year, uh, I thought that I was destined to be a doctor. I, was, I had everything set up. I was going to go to medical school. I was going to apply. I had signed up for the MCAT, um, which was $300. And... Um, you know, I, I signed up uh, at the start of my junior year, or the spring semester of my junior year, uh, to start studying and make progress there. Uh, a couple months went by after I signed up, hadn't started studying because I just couldn't, I had this weird feeling about it. Uh, a couple more months went by and I hadn't started studying and I was going to take it, supposedly, in, you know, less than a month. Uh, hadn't started preparing, hadn't really been thinking about my future as a medical practitioner. Um, and all of a sudden, like, I had like a quarter life crisis. Like that's what it felt like. Um, 
I was like, I cannot devote myself to this. I, I feel like, I don't know, just I got so much advice from lots of people. Um, I, I think it just, it hit me that I was not going to be able to, uh, like people um, are destined to be doctors and things like that, but I was not one of these people because I could not devote my entire being to going into the medical field. And that kind of hit me very late in the game. And so I canceled my registration for the MCAT and I lost $300, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's not that big of a deal. Um, but before, what I want to point out is that before you break up with something or someone, you will experience an immeasurable amount of fear. Um, whether that be fear of being lonely or fear of just, you know, not making the right decision. Um, and a lot of times when I would tell people, you know, I, I don't think I, am, I want to be a doctor anymore. I don't want to go down that path. Uh, lots of people would tell me, oh, that's such, such a waste of, like, talent. Um, professors would tell me, oh, that, like, you're wasting all of this achievement that you've made, and it would just make me feel very terrible about myself. Like, am I, you know, being selfish and wasting, like, potential? Like, should I feel this way? And so I went through a lot of self-doubt. Um, and that led me into a place, like, a very dark place of, wow, like, I, I feel like God has led me to this place of, you're, you're not, like, what I'm not going to do, but I don't know what I'm going to do. And I still don't know what I'm going to do. I'm waiting for that answer. Um, so I made a complete 180 and decided to um, go to Germany starting in September and teach English to kids. I feel, for some reason, I feel a very strong calling to do this. Um, I've been, it's, it's something that will make me uncomfortable and will make me grow as a person. And I'm, I am afraid of this, but I am also very excited for it. Uh, it's completely different from, you know, my previous medical path. I'm still majoring in neuroscience. I have this, you know, deep science background, but I also have this passion for um, the development of our youth and, you know, traveling and going across the world and carrying a message. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know where I will be in five years, but I'm okay with that. And though I am away from fear, I, that does not mean that I know exactly what I want to do. Um, fear is not, or living away from fear is not the same thing as knowing exactly what is happening in your life. And I need, I want to emphasize that. Um, another thing is that we tend to isolate ourselves when we feel fear. And the thing that really helped me get through all of my breakups is being with people and allowing myself to be vulnerable. Um, one of the best pieces of advice I got from going through breakups is do not forsake the pain. So get up every day, tell God that this sucks, um, it hurts, and you have no idea what to do because that's what he's there for. He's there to listen to you um, and walk alongside you. And in, once you admit that you need someone to help you carry your burdens, he's there for you. Um, yeah, so know that he will always be, out, be, be there for you. Cry out to him. Um, we are created uh, with the potential for strong emotions for a reason, and we need to use the whole spectrum. So, yeah. So good. And so what we were, we were having our opening conversations about what we we're going to talk about tonight, Peyton's like, man, just out of nowhere, we're like eating muffins or something. And he's like, the only way to get from fear to joy is Jesus. Like we just kind of had this whole flow 
And I think that's usually what we're standing in fear, and joy looks like a million miles away. <laughs> we're like, how am I supposed to get there? And that's kind of what today's passage is all about. So Riley, you want to go ahead and read the first passage? Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4. This is verse 16. We know how much God loves us, and we have put our trust in his love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Okay, we have put our trust in his love. Now, I want to ask you this question. How much does God love you? And you're like, uh, I don't know. It's <laughs> in my day today, right? And, and nothing, this is really, I, it was like a Twitter bio or something someone had. <laughs> and I was like, some of those are bad and some of them are good. Uh, and so I read it and it said, nothing you can do can make God love you any less and nothing you can do can make God love you anymore. And when I read that, I thought, that is what I'm trying to do. I am either really disappointed in myself and think God lowered his love level, or I think I just hit it out of the park and God's like, oh, I love you a little bit more today. But that is not true. That is false gospel. God is maxed out in his love for you at all times. So John declares this, we have put our trust in his love. We can count on him. Have you put your trust in God's love? And I've shared this story before, but we had a guy at our church um, who was raised Quaker, and his whole family going back to his great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa were Quakers. <laughs> He'll tell you about it, too. And, uh, and so, you know, Quakers don't believe some of the same things that most of us believe. One of the things they don't believe in, and they don't believe in communion and doing it, or baptism. They don't believe in either of those things. And so he started coming to our church, and, and his 13-year-old son was like, Dad, I'm going to get baptized. And he's like, Why? You know, we're Quakers, you know. No, we're not, you know. They get in this discussion. And ultimately, the 13-year-old asked his dad, said, hey, Dad, what do you have to lose? And I think that's the kind of thing that we're looking at in this passage. And both of them ended up making the decision, of course. Not of course, but it was awesome. All right, verse 17. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Our love grows more perfect. First John can be pretty depressing. If you've been in one of our life groups, maybe you have, maybe you haven't. You mean you're going along, you're looking at the past, you're like, man, I stink. I am not a good person. How many of you have thought that this semester? You know, I think I have. I thought, man, I am blowing it every day. And then I think I'm moving on and, you know, I'm going to be at cool with John. And then John just slaps me in the face again. And I, you guys have probably felt like that a lot. And um, I love how, what John says here. He says that we grow more perfect. It is one Greek word, and it can also be translated as finish. So you loving God and loving others is not an arrival it is a process. It is a process. I have texted this verse she's about to read to nearly half of you this semester. If you haven't had me text this verse to you yet, I probably will, maybe tonight. I don't know. But Riley, go ahead and read this verse for us. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. So, you don't have to arrive, but you have to grow. Okay? You don't have to arrive, you have to grow. 
You don't have to dominate unless you're Tyler on our basketball team, but you do have to grow. You don't have to make 100% on all of your tests. You don't even have to get, some of you are going to die. You don't have to get a 4.0, right? You're like, yes, I do. But you have to grow, okay? You don't have to get 100% all the time, but you have to grow. You know the saying, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I think maybe it should be, if you're not growing in love, you're really not living yet. And I think what this kind of picture is, it's kind of like getting a Nintendo Switch and you only play one game, Duck Hunt. I mean, you bought this expensive system, you got it all laid out, and you're playing Duck Hunt. You're just shooting birds. And the graphics look like, uh, what's the game you guys play all the time? No, uh, David. <laughs> Minecraft. It looks like Minecraft. Anyway, I make, get, that game was made in 1985, okay? And it's 2018. That, and I think that's what God wants to do. He says, hey, we're not playing Duck Hunt anymore. You can't be where you used to be. We got to keep growing. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to arrive, but you do have to grow. It increases the resolution. And uh, that's what love does. And it says that we should not be afraid in a time, in the day of judgment. And some of us, the day of judgment is pretty scary. And in premarital counseling, I, I've said this in my life group seven times. I, I know they're getting tired of saying it. I, I always ask premarital counseling couples, I say, how sure that you would go to heaven when you die? Three options. Pretty sure, sure, well, no. Unsure, pretty sure, sure. That's the three options. And uh, 95% of the time, they always mark the same thing. Pretty sure. Pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to go to heaven. So that question reveals who you are trusting in. If you are trusting in your love and your behavior and your righteousness, it should be unsure. Stop giving yourself the benefit of the doubt. You're not that good. But if your trust is in Jesus, every time it should be sure. Sure because of his blood on the cross. Every time it should be sure. And so you're like, okay, uh, how do I do that? And so I want Riley to read uh, Galatians 2.20. gives you a good picture of that. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Okay, that's it. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And, um, man. All right, let's, let's do our last verse uh, in our passage, uh, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment, and this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Such love has no fear. The only way to get from fear to joy is Jesus. The Greek word for fear is kind of a fun word, phobos, um, which is Ryan Fraser's nickname. It's kind of funny. Um, and it means a state, phobos means a state of severe distress. This is the word for fear. Awakened by intense concern for impending pain, danger, or evil. How many of you feel that way about one of your classes? Just one of them. Raise your hand. Hallelujah. Right? Love and fear cannot exist in the same space. He says perfect love expels all of that. All the severe distress, intense concern for impending pain, danger, evil, it gets rid of all of it. 
And it, you know, it's pretty interesting where it says perfect love expels fear. And I thought we were supposed to fear God. I thought that was the beginning of wisdom. And how is it that perfect love casts out all fear? And this is like one of the big Bible questions that people ask. Because in Proverbs 1.7, it says, Fear is the beginning of wisdom, fear of God. Ecclesiastes 12, Ecclesiastes makes sense of the entire book by the last two verses saying that we should fear God and keep his commandments. Jesus himself in Luke 12, 4 and 5 says, Do not fear man who can only kill the body. Fear the one who after killing the body can throw your body and your soul into hell. And you're like, okay, so how does this even make sense? And I think here's the difference. The difference between fearing God is the difference between fearing God and fearing the punishment of God. Fearing God is worship of God. Fearing God's punishment is void of relationship with God. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but it just kind of turned the lights on my brain on this passage because it used to bother me a lot because I wanted to cling to it, but it was confusing. But God's love can just take out fear. When we are growing more perfect, uh, we, <laughs> we know that God is perfect and he has arrived. And the Greek word for expel is exo, and it literally means outside, out or outside. So God is saying this to you tonight, and this may be blasphemous to say that, but in our relationship, God is saying this, there is grace, love, forgiveness, challenge, repentance, new starts. Haley was just talking about that. Peace, joy, thankfulness, kindness, patience. But you know what's not allowed in our relationship? This is what God is saying to us. Fear. Fear is outside of our relationship. You don't have to fear punishment because Jesus took the punishment on the cross. And if we are still afraid, we haven't fully experienced his love. And uh, tonight you can. So love and faith are the one-two punch, knockout punch when it comes to fear. And um, Peyton's going to share just a little bit uh, about a passage in the Bible and I just really quickly, this was the big reason why I didn't want to come and do campus ministry full-time at IUPUI. I mean, and I, it wasn't like uh, uh, I was going to be punished if I stayed, if I came here. I have not been punished. Uh, but I, I was just so afraid of what would happen, you know. And I would tell my life group here with other the students, I would tell them about it. I feel like this is what I should do, but I'm really afraid. And then, you know, why don't you just do it, you know? What are you so afraid of? And when I said yes and I was obedient to do what God wanted me to do, like Haley was saying, the fear was gone. The fear of punishment was gone. The fear of other people's opinions was gone. The fear of failure was gone. Even if people were asking, what is going on with you? Why are you doing this? Our church had another record attendance this weekend. <laughs> But I quit and came here because God had led me to do this. So, so earlier when Andrew was talking about that we need to be constantly growing, um, the ultimate goal of that growth is to be like Jesus. And so in any subject, I always like to look at what Jesus does in order to face things. And the only part in his story when he has any shred of fear is just before he's about to be betrayed and arrested and crucified. 
And so he goes up to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's in fear. And he goes up, separates himself completely from everyone, and goes into a relationship with God for three hours and prays with him. And he says, is there any other way? And after much prayer with him, he comes back down ready to be arrested with fear completely dispelled from him. So that's what we have to do. If we have fear, we have to turn to God as Jesus did, separate ourselves from everything going on around us. He sent out the disciples away from him completely by himself. Just focus on the relationship, pray, and come back full of spirit, ready to attack whatever you had fear of. Okay, so a lot of you are probably familiar with Job. Job baffles me. Like, he went through so much suffering, yet throughout the entire book, he praises God. I don't under, I will never be able to comprehend that. I am so far from Job. Like, I, when I'm going through hard times, I'm like, oh, God, like, why is this happening to me? I don't ever, that's something I struggle with, is still saying, you know, God, you are all-knowing. You know way more than I do. My feeble, earthly mind will never comprehend what you have to offer. Um, so that's just something I struggle with. Uh, Job was tested. Everything he loved and cared about was taken away, yet he was still completely reliant on God. And so Job has just been, like, kind of an example for me. Um, like, he sticks out to me and throughout every person I read about in the Bible. Um, yeah. So eventually, Job, in the book of Job, uh, demands an explanation from God for everything that he goes through. And he gets it, but he gets it in a very indirect way. God doesn't say, oh, it's because of this, it's because of this. And his friends tell Job that, like, oh, you must have done something very, very wrong to, like, receive all these punishments. And that was not the case. Um, God answers Job very indirectly, um, and, uh, like, Job is still somewhat confused, but he is completely humbled by God's presence and knowing that he will never understand and never come close to understanding what, you know, God's plan is, um, what his, what the limits of his free will are, um, everything like that. And so I, okay, so I also tried to read the Bible in a year last year. I did not finish it. <laughs> I got close. I'm trying to finish it this year. Um, but what I did was after I read a book in the Bible, I went on YouTube and I followed this, um, I don't know, video blog, uh, service. Uh, it's called the Bible Project. You guys may have heard of it. Um, yes, great. Bible Project, it's awesome. Um, and they put the story, or they put um, God's actions rather beautifully. Um, they say about Job, or they say about God in the book of Job, God is dynamically interacting with the whole universe when he makes decisions. So Job never learned why he suffered, but he assumes humility after. Um, Job got back all of his stuff, but he, this wasn't a reward um, for you know enduring all the pains. Um, God, in, in, his, in his unfathomable, unfathomable wisdom, gave it back, and that's the only answer we get, as frustrating as this is. Um, and Job is now at a point where he can trust God's wisdom from this point forward. Um, but I would also like to point out that there is not, like, zero purpose to fear in your life. I believe that fear does um, serve a purpose. It kind of points to holes in your life where you need other people, you need God to get you through 
um, different things. It just enforces that we are not self-reliant. We are not completely independent human beings. Um, as much as we'd like to think so, I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that I'm independent and I can get myself through everything, but that's just not true. And so many times have I experienced fear without other people being there. Um, so my best advice is to take life one day at a time. Don't try to play God because only he can understand everything exactly as it is meant to be understood. Um, this can lead us away from love. We come to live courageously by knowing we have an eternal ally and trusting the importance he places on each of our lives. So good. So the most often quoted command in the Bible is what? Do not be afraid or fear not. And uh, I think that that's very, 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 very good to remember tonight. And we want to end with just two passages that really st stood out to us when we were thinking about this, this whole topic. And, um, yeah, we have enough time to show you a short video. Um, here's the very first uh, verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Riley. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. I love that verse. You're not a fearful slave. You're not fearing his punishment. You are worshiping him. Um, not just when you sing on Sundays or tonight, but every, when you're walking to organic chemistry or whatever class you're taking that's trying to take your life. Uh, you are worshiping, fearing God because he is worthy. Not because you, you, you think he's going to punish you, we, don't, we know that he's not going to because he put the punishment on Jesus, his son, so that we could be saved. So here's the last verse, and this is the one Haley shared. I love this. So don't be afraid, little flock, for it gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. You heard Jesus say that to you tonight. And we're going to show you this video. And um, by the way, the guy in the video homeschools his kids, so don't let that... Uh, distract you. I know we have a lot of homeschool kids. We love homeschool kids. All right. Uh, so, um, but, so we kind of come to the end of the passage. And we're like, okay, so what does this mean for me? Like, wh where do I go moving forward? Like, okay, so I know that the only way to get from fear to joy is through Jesus. So what do I do next? And the answer is when you step out these doors here and God starts to ask you to do things like reach like witness to a friend or serve or do something that you don't have time for that someone had asked you to do or whatever it is. And it has you afraid. Um, you got you to gotta be obedient. And that's why we like, and I'll close in prayer after the video. Off the team, whatever, you know, you just there's so much instability, so much that we don't understand, that, that we don't know. For me, growing up, it was, uh, a lot of you guys know, my mom died giving birth to me. And my dad remarried. Then my stepmom died in a car accident when I was nine. Then my dad got married again. Then my dad died of cancer when I was 12. And so I'm in junior high. My mom's dead. My stepmom's dead. My dad's dead. The only close relatives I had were my, my aunt and uncle, George and Sandra. And then when I was in high school, they got in a fight. And my uncle George shot and killed my aunt and then stuck the gun to his own head killed himself. So I'm 16 years old, and this is life to me, going, man, what's next? Everything seems to be falling apart, and we get a little worried. We get a little scared. 
And this is what Christians do. You know, they try to serve God, but then things get a little rocky. And things get a little unstable. And so we go, okay, that was nuts. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to live like that. Let me, uh, let me hold on. And this is your routine. This is what so many people do. They go, you know what? I'm not going to try anything crazy. I'm just going to sit here and uh, I'm just going to hold on. And uh, this is what you look like. You just go, uh, this is what people do. You know what? I'm just going to have my nice little family. We're just going to, um, you know, we're just going to keep to ourselves. We're going to live in a gated community. I'm going to homeschool my kids, make them wear helmets everywhere. I'm going to... Um, you know, I'm not going to let him outside because son has bad rays. I'm going to, um, you know, just on and on and on. And you just live your life in the safety of, I don't want to do anything crazy for God. I just, I just want to, you know, go to church on Sundays and maybe give like 2% um, and uh, maybe serve, help the nursery because I feel guilty. And then you do this your whole life. And then you, you go, your greatest prayer is like, God, you know what? I would love to die in my sleep and not even feel it and then just go up to heaven. And so you want to die like this, just in your sleep, ooh, right in the middle of a dream, good dream, the dream you're going to heaven and you don't even feel it. And then suddenly you wake up, you stand before the judge and you go. <laughs> now, if... Uh, could you imagine... Could you imagine watching the Olympics, you know? And some girl does that, just gets up there, starts straddling the thing, and then steps off and goes... <laughs> what is the judge supposed to do on the card? You see, and to me, I go, man, that's the routine that so many Christians are headed for. That's the routine, the boring, I do nothing crazy because I don't want to fall. I, I, that's the routine that they're going to live, and then one day it's going to be a shock because they're going to step off that balance beam and realize they're standing before the judge. They're standing before the judge, and you think he's going to look at that routine and go, wow, well done. Well done. You live the safest life possible, you didn't slip. You didn't fall. See, that's not the life that God's called us to. That's where the majority will head. But I don't want to go where the majority goes. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank You for um, Jesus' death on the cross. Uh, we just had a visible illustration of that this weekend with Good Friday when Jesus was crucified Holy Saturday when he was in the grave and Sunday when he defeated death. Uh, he defeated death so we wouldn't have to live a life of fear, that we could live a life of joy. Being set free from all of our limitations that we think that we have, that the devil wants to remind us of these lies um, again and again. God, would you give us the confidence and the faith and the courage we say, I do believe, help my unbelief, and help us tonight to draw closer and closer to you, especially in this stressful time of the semester. God, we thank you for Jesus most of all and what he did on the cross for us. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.